Hello, and welcome to the 132nd episode of the Not Your Mom's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I talk about, read about, write about, think about, dream about, amongst other things, video games, video games, video games. And I am joined tonight. By three of NYMG's own, Alicia Carabinas, Ashley. Ashley, I always say your last name wrong. Velasquez, something like that. Velasquez. <laughs> it's fine. No, it's not. It is. It's okay. It's okay. It's not. Jinx Ashley, me. you say it. Ashley V. <laughs> say your last name. Velasquez. Velasquez. There you go. I started to make a roots joke, but I didn't. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll talk, we're going to talk about that enough in the coming time. All right. <clears throat> so we will do our um, usual and start with folks telling us about our, about their sales. Alicia Carabinas, who are you? I ain't nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia, you stole my line. Oh. <laughs> um, Hi, who are you? My name is Alicia Carabinas. I'm a PhD student at Purdue in rhetoric and composition. Mm -hmm. I like Twitter. <laughs> I like Twitter. I don't know. I mean, officially, like formally, and also oh. just for funsies. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Yeah. Ashley, who are you? Well, um, I am Ashley, and I am a PhD student, and um, I am also the human of Pippin, and uh, I'm very hot right now. Um, that's who I am. <laughs> Baby, you hot all the time. Thanks, boo. Hey, Jinx, what about you, darling? Who are you? Uh, I'm Jinx. I... No, shit. Oh, no, I know. It's really kind of scary. I wasn't doing stuff until a year ago. It was weird. Anyway, um, I am a graduate of Purdue University through the biomedical engineering department. I'm not unemployed anymore, but I'm not employed as an engineer yet, so I don't know. Baby steps. Yeah, baby, baby steps. At least I have an income. Yay. Yay. Um, and I am the human of Siegmeier, which sounds really funny if you like Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> My pets don't own me, y'all. They they just lay in the floor. Pippin owns me. Yeah, Pippin does own you. He, I actually don't know what he owns. He he owns the spot of rug in front of Miss Kitten, I guess. <laughs> Aww. He really wants to be friends with Miss Kitten. One day, one day. Miss. All right. Friends or food? Friends, totally friends. All right, so we'll do our usual tonight. We'll do our what you playing, what you reading, what you drinking. All very exciting things before we get to our topic of the week. So, what are we playing, folks? How about you, Alicia? Let's start with you. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh my God, really, Alicia? I'm sorry. You still got that no. in your back. I will say this. Yes. The the end of my wow time may be approaching because. <laughs> Like it's only been six weeks, okay? I don't act like I've been playing for like twelve years or shit. 
Um, they, you know, they updated. They did the, the pre-patch for the next expansion. Yep. And they uh, they significantly changed my main character's class. And uh, they also changed. They changed a lot of things. The, the second, the one I like second best is super good now. But I don't really feel like leveling anymore uh, because they changed my main, who I've been working on, and they made her like almost useless, stupid. So now I'm just kind of mad. Mm. Also, they upped the graphics requirements for a game that's 12 years old. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, and I have, of course, uh, this little—it's a rebuilt Mac Mini. It's custom on the inside, but it still has an integrated graphics card. So now, World of Warcraft is too robust for my computer. I don't think anybody's been able to say that about any computer. Like, I'm pretty sure I could have run WoW on my phone last week. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's been a decade since you had to say that. So I'm like, you motherfuckers, you had to do this. I got like 12 days left on my damn subscription. Wasn't planning on re-upping it anyway because school. But now, the, the game is sh shuttering and stopping and starting and my main class all fucked up. Fuck y'all. Anyway, also, <laughs> still, because, you know, cards are fun. And I downloaded today, there's a new game by the people who did Two Dots. It's Dots and Co. Um, but I don't know. I haven't played very much yet, but my initial impression is that perhaps lightning does not strike twice. We'll see. Two Dots was really fun at first. See, uh, I didn't like Two Dots. I saw that they had a new game out, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that's going to be better than Two Dots. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you, because Two Dots was awesome. There's something wrong with your brain. I mean, I still like you, but less. Anyway, I'm done. I had my rant. I'm good. Oh, you're right. not done. <laughs> done. <laughs> what about you, Ashley? What you been playing, darling? Um, a whole lot of Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like eight miles a day of Pokemon Go. Yeah. Uh, so that's mainly what I do. I should probably go ahead and check my Pokemons right now. Um, I get a lot of Pokemans in my house for some reason. Do you really? I get like I do. none in my I house. I get tons. I get, I, get, I get a lot. It's amazing. And they're not just like the stupid Pidgeys and the rats. Um, I do have a Pidgey army, though. Um, what else am I playing? Uh, of course, Overwatch and The Division I've been playing as well. Uh, well, you know what? I did catch a seal in my house last oh night. You did? Yeah. I'm still trying to check. Those damn seals and turtles are always getting away from me. Yep, and I caught a squirtle on the way home from picking pee up from day camp today. It uh, must be nice to have, like, things actually spawn around you. I don't have my camera on, but right now I'm slack-jawed in my chair with my tongue hanging out. <laughs> I'm talking about Pokemon Go. Today I was on campus and I walked across to the Union to get coffee with a friend and that motherfucker played Pokemon Go the whole damn time. Yep. Surrounded because, by it. Because between Heaveline and the Union, there are like three or four Pokestops and people probably have like lures up and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, And, and between Heaveline and Union, Pikachu. Yeah, Pikachu. Always responds. I have like six Pikachu's. <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> I live just far enough away from IU's campus that I don't get any of the benefit. Oh uh, my god! See, there you have to just come visit and go on campus there because we have all those little stupid um, 
like plaques and yeah, all of those things are Pokestops. So you can literally like stand in one spot and be surrounded by. I have been surrounded by at most like in range of four Pokestops at the same time, all with lures on it, and I just sat there and cleaned up. That's what we did it when we stopped by um, last weekend when I visited. We we're waiting for things, and so we just sat on campus, and I almost killed the phone that way, but it was worth it. I'm going to take a nap. Y'all wait now. Yeah. We need to talk about uh, I will never be done talking about the Pokemans. <laughs> I drove to Southern yeah. Illinois yesterday with my son, Uh huh. and we're not playing Pokemon Go, but he took his DS, so he was playing Pokemon X. So I still was surrounded by Pokemon talk. Look, Mom, look what I got. Look what I'm fighting. Oh, no, my Pokemon fainted. Oh, what should I do? Should I get this one? Should I, which ability should I use? I was like, please. I never want to hear about Pokemon again. I've heard so many, like, heartwarming stories and wonderful stories and great stories and stories of people finding bodies and everything, and it's all really interesting, but, oh, my God, I'm so Pokemon out. I don't think you're going to get away from it for a while, personally. It's going to be around. I mean, it makes me feel better about playing WoW, I guess. I kind of really want to come down to your house and see what kind of Pokemans you got. My God. I'll be down there in a sec. We are right by the shopping center. I know. You know what? I went to Charlotte's house yesterday, and I got like four new Pokemans that I had never gotten before. Oh, I love it. What did I get? This morning, I got a Geodude. Dude, really? Yeah. Dude, it's pretty cool. Pidgeys. Yeah. I'll say that. Pidgeys for the eye to see. I got the Red second house. evolution of Geodude, but I don't have Geodude yet. Oh, no. I got, well, see, I was trying to meet a friend this morning at, like, 6 o'clock because I was going to go for a run and walk. I'm running down Main Street, and I fall, and I bust my ass, and I just, like, rolling down. <laughs> but I didn't even have my phone out. That's the sad part. I wasn't even looking at the phone. I was literally looking about what I was You just fell down for no reason. I, literally, I, my ankle collapsed, not all swollen and messed up. Okay, and so I was like, you know what? I can't run. You're supposed to stay upright. Nope. I was like, I can't run, so I might as well be looking for the Pokemans at 6 o'clock in the morning. So that's why I found Geodude. <laughs> right, I will say, Geodude is pretty cool. When you were running, did you at least have the app open so you could hatch your egg? <laughs> no, I was literally just trying to disconnect from the world for a little bit. All you got to do is put it in your pocket. I guess. My phone I guess. I'll do that. I mean, I should have just been looking at the phone since I fell anyways and busted my ass. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm just going to come to the table and kick back my chair. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> We won't talk about Pokemon Go anymore. <laughs> yes, we will. Can we talk about Jinx? For, not you, Jinx. A wild Jinx. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> we don't talk about that. I'm not racist, but the other thing is. Scared the shit out of me. I'm sorry, Jinx. Can we tell that story? Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah, go. Okay. Um, we, we were on the chat just, like, talking about Pokemon Go and stuff, and then and Sam posted that. <laughs> She caught a Jinx, but I didn't see that. And she says, Jinx is the most racist ever. And I missed it. I didn't realize she was talking about the Pokemon. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? What did I say? I was talking about, like, hedgehogs or feet. I don't remember. But Feet are very racist, Jinx, very. Jinx, we racist-ass hedgehogs. <laughs> 
quickly or something. I don't know. I panicked. I went back and read. I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. People like apologize anyway. You're like, damn, I sneezed, and Jinx is like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not that bad. Not that bad. We love you. That all. So I guess coming back to the chat and seeing Sam like Jinx is the most racist he's possibly a <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> oh shit. What am I doing? Days, you know, like. <laughs> you know what? You gotta call folk out sometime. You gotta call folk out sometime. Damn. I mean, please, if I ever do, but like. <laughs> I think it was like when I was recovering from the fever and I wasn't on social media as much. So I was like, I don't know what I did. Did I? Like... <laughs> I don't know, but it was racist yeah. as hell. It was. <laughs> I saw a wild jinx on campus and I tried to catch her, and she stole like five of my balls and then ran off. See, so you know what? That was reparations. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call her back. I'll tell her to stop. <laughs> I've already had too much to drink. Uh, I was so. Oh. I was like, oh. I don't think note, I need to talk today. On that note, we're going to talk about Jinx, the actual human Jinx. Jinx <laughs> darling, the non-racist. What are you playing? <laughs> well, I'm playing the game that shall not be named. Apparently. Thank you. You're a good um, friend, and I like you the best. Ah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I'm, um, we also, um, Fort, who's my partner, he played through all of Bioshock Infinite for me. Which, I mean, I guess I technically didn't play it, but I watched the whole thing. Um, so that was cool. I finally caught up on that. And then I personally, uh, I started Transistor yesterday, uh, which is the best and worst thing I could have done to myself at this time. But And uh, I'm loving every step of the rhinos tearing my heart out and trampling over it. Aww. It's, it's a beautiful game, and the music is amazing. And... Oh no, I'm not. Uh, yeah, not spoiling anything. Like the music and the aesthetic and the story and the narration, and I mean, it's it's super giant games. They did Bastion. It's it's different than Bastion, but it's the same. Like, you know, it's melancholy, but you don't know why. And then they like reveal why it's melancholy, and it's just like, <sighs> it's great. It's great. It's so good. And I like what they did with the combat. I actually. I mean, I loved being the all-powerful kid who can, like, you know, you're just in there and you have a hammer and, you know, whatever. I will come through this headset if y'all spoil this. No, no, I'm not spoiling anything. Like, the, 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 I'm not spoiling, I promise. I hate spoilers. <laughs> I actually, like, threatened people when I posted about it the first time. I was like, if you say anything about Transistor, I will, like, personally come and cut off your foot. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was very yeah. violent. This is the most violent I've ever heard you be. I'm sorry, like... <laughs> Don't be well, violent. There it goes. I just... Well, it's because, like, my brother and sister, when they would be mad at me, the first thing they would do is, like, oh, we know what we can do. We can spoil games for Jinx, so they can't experience it anymore. And so now I'm just like, you spoil it? I'm just wrath of a sibling. Yeah, that's pretty wrong. I, I support <laughs> your anger and your foot cutting. <laughs> I won't actually cut off anyone's foot. I don't like blood. I'm a bad biomed. Anyway, Transistor, I like the new fight style. I love the music. They're doing a great thing with the new narration. I haven't even beaten it yet. Um... And I don't know, because I'm scared, so I keep doing other things. But, you know, yes, everyone should play. And I think it's still $4 on Steam for Bastion, Transistor, and both soundtracks. Mm. So, uh, don't have it yet? BRB. I'm serious. Like, I, I think if it's still on sale, because they were having their twenty or their five-year anniversary of Bastion, so they were putting all their stuff on sale. Mm-hmm. 
And so, like, if it's still on sale by the time this podcast comes out, like, go get it. it it's one of one. It's four dollars. Two, it supports like a company I really like. And three, you get a really good set of soundtracks. Just don't listen to Transistor soundtrack until you played the game because they actually use the soundtrack for plot. Mm. There's my call. I have I have a terrible confession. Uh-oh. I haven't opened Steam in like three weeks. I haven't opened Steam. I mean, I haven't. I don't. I haven't used Steam since I moved. I haven't used Steam since I was playing the Mountain. Good God! What is wrong with you people? I'm sorry. I, well, I, I, I don't know. know. Prelims. Prelims are kind of ruining my life right now. So. Console gamer. <laughs> I'm a, yeah. I'm a console gamer too, but I still occasionally. Yeah, I, I get started and I'm like playing something and then I play that thing. Also, Salmon, you saw me try to do this. My my computer can't run Child of Light, and like, so I can't play anything but Undertale or Stardew Valley on my computer currently. So like, I have all these games I need to play on my Steam account that I can't until I get a better computer. So, yeah, yeah so. I forgot about you and that computer. Um, so and speaking of Stardew Valley, on the 29th, Stardew Valley is coming out for Mac and Linux too, I believe, on the 29th, and then. Oh, okay. And then Q4 is coming to console, so you What's can play Q4? all the Stardews. Oh, right. Uh, oh, God, I don't need it on a console, too. Yeah. It's going to be I wonderful. It's like an alien. Y'all like, oh, Pokemon Go, Stardew Valley. I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of these games. Hey, wait until we get to the actual conversation where I'll be really quiet because it's like first-person shit. <laughs> it's like shit. <laughs> Fireworks going off. <clears throat> no spoilers, Jinx. No, sorry, fireworks are going off at my house. Uh, sorry, it's Indiana. Yeah. So, toward your listeners, here's the thing about Indiana: it is apparently Fourth of July every day of the damn year. We had like two weeks of quiet. It was nice. <laughs> yeah, but you can't guarantee the two weeks of quiet. Oh wow. Mm. 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 Anyway, let's talk about booze. Okay, wait, it's your turn. I need to, oh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Sam. Dang. (laughs) You playing Pokemans? I I am playing Pokemans. I'm playing lots of Pokemans. How many Pokemans you got? You know what? I have to look to be perfect. No, how many unique ones? Not how many you got total. How many unique ones? Uh, I think 50. Oh, all right. Yeah, I think 50, and I think that I have seen two that I have not caught. Um, and I know exactly which ones they are. Um, it's uh, <laughs> Goldbuck and um, the third evolution of the gas. No, the fourth evolution of the Ghastly. No, it should be. Wait, Mega Gengar? You can't get Mega Gengar. You, it's just Gengar, Gas, or it's Ghastly, Hunter, Gengar. So there shouldn't be a fourth evolution. Okay, so maybe it's the third evolution. Is it like a round? Well, they're all round balls. I'm they're all round. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it in my... I'm, I don't have my phone in front of me. That's why I was trying to remember. Um, so it's it's the third evolution of Ghastly and it's the Golduck. Because Golduck I actually saw on campus and I was driving and I tried to get it. And <laughs> don't do that. No. Sam, why are you driving and opening up the Pokemans? 
I leave it open. Sam, you are that guy. Yeah. Except public that. service announcement. Not that person. Do not put my going red. If it makes you feel better, I was at a stop sign. No, no it, doesn't. it doesn't make me feel better that you are at a stop sign with the Pokemans open. <laughs> right, I'm really disappointed because this bundle is $35 now. Oh, I already have damn it. I'm sorry. I'm so damn sorry. Alright, anyway, let's finish this up so we can actually talk about fun. Oh, I'm um, I'm, so I played a lot of Pokemon Go's. I played some Tumblestone, which is another kind of uh, jewel match game on no it's not it's a not jewel match it's more like um it's more like a bubble shooter but instead of uh bubbles you're shooting jewels to uh, make sets of three um it was fun for a minute it was free this month on uh with uh, Xbox Gold I'd have been I would have been real mad if I would have paid for it because it was fun for the first like world I'm myself to finish the first world so I could get my achievement and then I was like yeah I'm done with that game um let's see inside finally finished inside and I've written another post about it for folks who didn't see it after the first post that game is something else I'm not gonna spoil it it's a very short game it's a good game it's a great um it's got a it's got a great story, not story, because <laughs> there's no dialogue, um, but you have to figure out what the story is as you play through it. Uh, it can be real triggering because there's some graphic-ass death stuff with children involved, or a child, um, but it was the game I needed to play when I played it. How about that? And it's pretty short. You can probably play through it unless you do the stupid thing that I did and play with your um, elite controller on your uh, on your shooter on your shooter uh, settings, <laughs> so that it messes up all your response times when you're trying to do jumps and such. And you're like, this game is unplayable. And then you look at your controller and you go, oh, it's on setting two and not setting one. No wonder it's unplayable after you've been playing for like two hours. Uh, but so what you're saying is I screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you can play through the whole thing in three or four hours tops. Um, but it's a really good game, especially if you liked Limbo. I was gonna get Limbo recently. I mean, obviously I can't play a lot right now. But would you recommend Limbo before Inside, or does it matter? I actually liked Inside better than I liked Limbo. Okay. You can also because you're on my Steam share. You can try Limbo. Oh, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, yeah, but on PC. I think so. I, I would recommend both by a lot of people, but I'm also know I'm probably not in mental state to play it. But I'm gonna eventually. There, there's console versions for this one, right? For what Limbo? Limbo and Inside. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, the thing I really like about Limbo on not the iPad is that you can turn off the deaths when you just get a fade to black. Oh. Uh, I think I'm gonna sit out inside though, from what I've read. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it's rough. It's rough. I, I I have to admit, I the first the first time I played, I was played through the first actually probably three quarters of it is actually what I played through the first three quarters of it. Um, I was like maybe that's half, and I came back and I finished the rest of it in like 20 minutes. Mm. Um, but so maybe more than three quarters of it. Um, I was streaming it and I cried in my stream. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's rough. 
It's rough. Um, I've also been playing uh, Story of Seasons, right? Right, because I'm still stuck on this uh, pastoral game uh, bench. So between Stardew and Old Harvest Moons, and I'm playing Story of Seasons. Um, and then I'm gonna go back to Stardew when it releases for Mac next week, and I can actually get mods. <laughs> Um, and the last game I've been playing is uh, Song of the Deep, which was the Insomniac game that they did with GameStop. So you play a 12-year-old girl who uh, builds her own submarine uh, and goes out looking for her father who has disappeared. Um, it's a platformer as well. Um, it's wonderful. I like it a lot. It's very cute. And I went out when I when the game released, I also went to GameStop and bought the uh Song of the Deep Funko. So it comes with a little uh, it comes with a little uh submarine and the Marin figure. And you and your Funkos. Where do you keep all these Funkos? Well, I don't have a ton of Funkos. I have lots of because uh, I have my office. I got lots of bookshelves in my office. That's true, you do. Um, so I could put stuff in, on bookshelves in my office and on my desk. Um, most of the Funkos in this house actually belong to P. Um, and she has them all lined up. She's got a couple. She's got what three windows? So she's got them all lined up on her window sills um, in her room. But she's run out of room. Mm -hmm. um, and I bought some shelves to put up some shelves for Funkos in her room. <laughs> because the same time I bought the Song of the Deep Funko, she bought three more Sailor Moon Funkos. Yeah, yeah Sailor Moon! <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. So that's what I've been playing. And Pokemon Go. <laughs> Pokemon! <laughs> Just irritate Alicia. God damn it. <laughs> so what have people been reading? Well, I think many of us have been reading the same thing. Yeah. Probably. Sorry. <laughs> what you been reading, Alicia? No, Sam, why don't you talk about it since you introduced us all to the book? <laughs> well, fine. If I must. <laughs> um, well, I've been reading a lot of stuff. Um, Racism Without Racists uh, is one of the books that I've been reading. Um, it just seemed to go along well since I... Uh, um, was reading what was I reading last time? <laughs> like uh, you were rereading the new Jim Crow. The the new Jim Crow and um, Between the World and Me was what I was reading last time. Um, so I finished up. Uh, I finished up Racism Without Races, which is a very interesting book because it talks about the inherent racism and color blindness. Uh, and it's by Eduardo Silva, um, and it's something that we're going to talk probably a lot more about this notion of colorblindness. Um, and it's a book that uh, I'm, I'm on this critical race theory bent right now. So every time I put down a critical race theory book, I'm like, and I got like ten more over here just waiting for me. Um, so racism with our races and finishing up um, a reread of the New Jim Crow. And I completely blame that on Ashley. Yeah. Uh, Still need to borrow that from somebody. 
Well, you know what, Jinx? We're just going to have to buy you a copy of that book. I will pay you back as soon as I have income. <laughs> like actual income, not deficit income. Sorry. Deficit income. So that's what I'm reading this week. Well, the other books that I'm reading that are not that one, because I'm also reading that one. I'm reading a book on feminist methodology um, because, uh, you know, I don't have enough to do. I'm trying to start a research project because I apparently hate myself and want to suffer. And on related points, uh, you know, Bianca and I have been talking about feminist game studies. Um, and so I'm reading this book on uh, virality recommended by a friend of mine. <laughs> I know who that was. Yeah, you know who that is. <laughs> well, we were talking about it, and we're, I think we're talking about a lot of the same things, just from different sides. Like, he's talking about uh, the obsessions with data, and if we just collect the data, we just collect the facts, as though that's going to tell any kind of a story about humanity. And Bianca and I are arguing, of course, that you can't divorce these systems from the bodies that create the systems and that are involved in the systems. So it seems to me that we're, we're speaking about the same issues, these obsessions with systems, rules, procedures, data, and not thinking about the human element. So are you reading about data stories yet? No, not yet. That's next. Okay. Okay. Next on my list. Yeah, these are, these are the things we do for fun. You guys, welcome to PhD land. Yeah. Yay. Well, look, the Yay. funny thing is that you're reading about um, feminist uh, feminist methodologies, feminist studies and, and games. So I've, I've been working on a book project off and on all summer that um, in light of everything that's been going on in the world around us and the fact that I have been reading like uh, critical race theory um, nonstop, I, I, I am, my book, project has totally shifted mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm redoing a whole lot of work and I have just today I was like you know what I'm going to just coin a new genre for this shit and I'm going to call it black power game studies because <laughs> <laughs> it's just real angry all the time right now um, but it, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's given me a different frame um, for something that I was already working on in terms of because what I was what the project I've been working on is gaming gaming ecologies um, and to look at it through a raced lens when you are simultaneously kind of living through some of the most difficult racially charged times um, makes it necessary for me to redo this project and to reframe it. Uh, I can't not do it hmm. at this point, especially if we're going to think honestly about um, ecologies and how humans and systems work together. You know I'm here for everything about the ecologies. I know. So does that mean I get to participate in your Black Power Game Studies? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rachel. You but can. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> should we tell? We should tell our listeners. Because I've been involved in a lot of these discussions about things that have been going on. Facebook has been giving me targeted ads for products for black hair. <laughs> like silk caps to keep your curls fresh. I'm like, hang, hang on. <laughs> I got my hair is straight. Really is straight. it all? Is it? <laughs> I just have a really good perm. 
I have no hair, so. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, if you just keep on it, Facebook will, too, give you targeted ads for, like, you know, hot combs and I, I just a get, wave cap. <laughs> I get the pro-life ads. Uh, oh, lovely. Uh, oh, no, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Ashley, what you reading, darling? I am reading the new Jim Crow, and I started Racism Without Racist today. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at, and my mind is blown with the new Jim Crow. I can sometimes I can only life, read. Man. Do you some, understand? Oh, sometimes I can only read like a few pages at a time. I just have to like reread it and digest what's happening. I'm like, oh my god, this just happened. Did I just read that? So, so I just reread. Um, today, because like I said, I'm, I'm working on this project. So today I sat down and I reread that, what I think it's like the second or third chapter mm-hmm. where she's talking about um, uh, Reagan and the war on drugs when there was no problem, when there was no where there was no concern from the public about drugs. Yeah. Going through and looking at how sentencing changed. Stuff we all know, right? Yeah. Just for her to reframe it in terms of thinking about Jim Crow and thinking about it in terms of how this was all done very specifically and very intentionally to target and criminalize black bodies. Yes. Like yeah. I still can't wrap my my mind around like the 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 uh war on drugs and how that started. I lived, and I lived through that, right? But I was I was young. I lived through it, but I was young. And I can remember very specifically, because I have aunts who are close in age, but they're like 10 years older. And I can mm-hmm. specifically remember conversations that they were having about sentencing, uh, about sentencing differentiation uh, with the, with these new with these new laws and these new changes, and I remember it very specifically, and I know it exists, and I've read about it since then. But just to like think back to the moment, right, and to start comparing what people were thinking and feeling in those moments to what we are thinking and feeling now, when black bodies are again being criminalized yeah. and are being killed in the yeah. street, and where this myth of the magical fucking Negro has taken over, right? It's like, it's the myth of the magical Negro, I that you can pull a gun out of thin air and become a threat to me, so I must kill you, even though you are not posing an immediate threat. Right. right. So I mean, just the way that all this shit just comes down and comes from nowhere, it's like my mind is blown. And this, this is why I'm doing Black Power Game Studies now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think my mind is just really stuck on that, especially seeing how crack was brought into the black community yeah. and having, you know, my mom who was a crackhead and like being in that environment and seeing how detrimental that is to the black community and what that does to people and how like it perpetuates this cycle. I had no idea about the context in which this war on drugs started and now I'm just like, whoa, whoa. Like my family was targeted. Legit. Yeah. Targeted. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I mean and, and what's funny is I'm sorry, I'm I'm talking but I'm gonna say this. Uh, what's funny is that I lived through a period where when I was 18, I saw crack for the first time. And the first time I saw it, I was with a group of folks, and none of us knew what it was. Mm-hmm. This was some brand new shit, right? So nobody knew what it was, right? 
somebody else had brought in. We were like, yo, we don't know what that shit is. We're not fucking with that, right? But so we knew, we, we saw it for the first time. So I lived through, you know, that that beginning, right, of, of, of this, this cycle, this cycle, this lifespan of crack. But then at the same time, when you're talking about um, five years later, I was a Detroit public school teacher who was then working in a school system with the first generation of crack babies. So to see that span from 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 kind of that vantage point is just kind of unreal. We always have the most cheerful conversations. <laughs> we really do. Listen to the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast. Recommend it to your friends. <laughs> I always feel like the non sequitur too, because I'm not reading any like theory books. I'm still just reading Discworld. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm over here in the corner, like reading about gnomes. <laughs> you know what? We all need some fucking gnomes every now and then. Yeah, I, I need some gnomes. I need some gnomes. <laughs> I need some gnomes. Is gnomes code now, and I just don't know it? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about crack, Ashley. I was just asking, like, hey, is this new shit on the blog? Is it going to help me with my prelims? Smart drugs. They're smart drugs. <laughs> but you can't have any. Because I'm not smart? What are you trying to say? Is it on black? I don't understand. Look, apparently Facebook thinks I'm black, so I'm in now. You're in now. Just black power game I don't know. I don't know. That could mean you're out. <laughs> oh, shit. I can't keep up. That. All right. So, Jinx, you're reading Discworld. I'm reading Discworld. I finished. Um, I like. I I just. I've been reading like one every two days, because <laughs> I don't do anything else but read with my time right now. Fun fact: When I'm depressed, I just curl up on the floor in a blanket and I read whatever is like within arm's range. And because my friend gave me like 90% of Discworld. While I was up in West Lafayette, I've just been reading Discworld. So I just read the truth, and I'm now in Pyramids. Um, yeah, I'm just chucking through that. Um, and then I have a whole stack of books from um, Alicia, which I'll eventually get to, I'm sure. So, yeah, sorry. Mm. Nothing interesting. I mean, it's, it's really interesting, but it's nothing... I don't know. <laughs> there it is, non sequitur, as usual. <laughs> Okay. All the reading is good reading. All the reading is good reading. I just said that. <laughs> it was a second. Are you sure you said it first? <laughs> oh, we're gonna listen to the edit of this and oh, look, this is appropriation. Because <laughs> you know what, you might be cribbing. <laughs> oh God. Mm. <clears throat> All right, I'm gonna behave. Alright, on that note, what are we drinking? <laughs> Can I go first? Can I go first? Of, like, Yes, Jinx. Okay. What are you drinking tonight, Water. darling? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I figured I'd go first. <laughs> Yay, water. I love water. Yeah. Is it flavored water? No, it is tap water that went through my filter that doesn't quite work. That was in my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, they just got less contaminated water, but water's good. Water is good. It's good for you. It's good for the soul. What about you, Ashley? We're gonna go backwards. Ashley, what you drinking? I'm drinking some bourbon. Uh, mm -hmm. 
make it so, Apparently, that's special black bourbon. Maybe, bourbon. Special black bourbon. Um, that's yeah. I mean, this, yeah, that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it's smooth, nice, gets the job done. It's too hot to be drinking straight bourbon. Need some ice. No, it. I put it in the fridge to chill it a little bit. But no, I just drink it straight these days. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to water it down. Splash <laughs> water in you, just a little splash will bring out will bring out nice flavors for you. But you know, so you, you can, can let do her the drink same. Drink bourbon how she wants to. You know what? I like the bourbon the way it's flavored now. Look. What? What? <laughs> what are you Drink drinking, Sam? Since you all like judgy. What am I drinking? I am drinking something sugary. No, actually, I'm not. I am drinking a Lancaster Brewing Company Brew Trail, uh, Blue Trail, which is um, from a Pennsylvania brewery, and it is a lemon blueberry shandy. Um, not sweet, even though it's a shandy. Um, it. Is got a nice blueberry. You can smell the blueberry more you can taste it, but it's got a nice sour lemony taste, and it's a very weedy ale, which is right up my alley. So then, nice. What are you drinking, Alicia Carabinas? Grapefruit vodka with cranberry juice and a splash of lime. Oh, that sounds yummy. You're fancy. I'm on my second um, bottle, or <laughs> no, no. Uh, my my husband's been making them for me in this giant mason jar, sixteen ounce glasses. Oh, are um, you lit or no? I mean, you know, things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> me too, boo. Me too. And shit's going down, it's and I mean the, the the level in my glass. <laughs> Good. It's so good. It's like it just tastes like grapefruit juice. It's really dangerous. Don't buy it. That's uh, I can't remember so what good. I what it is that I like. Never mind. Forget that. I love those um, fruit flavored vodkas, like the grapefruit vodka. Yeah, and, that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the grapefruit vodka and the cranberry vodka. What do I have downstairs right now? Pineapple mango. Because they they flavor them and then they make them sweet, so they do just taste like alcohol juice. And uh-huh. you could, if you if you stick them in the freezer, you could drink it straight. Yes, you that could. Would be real dangerous. Uh, yeah. This this is the one. This is the the special Smirnoff fancy. It's like two dollars more than regular Smirnoff, you guys. Oh oh oh, 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 yeah. oh god. Quote unquote real juice. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good, and it's really dangerous. Yeah. Yep. Mm. I love I love the grapefruit. I've never had a Smirnoff grapefruit vodka, but um, Deep Eddies makes a pink grapefruit vodka that is out of this world. That stuff will yeah. Yeah, that's what this one is. This is I think this is the uh, cheaper version of that because you know some of us are grad students. We're poor, <laughs> aren't we all? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. All right, on that note, um, we're going to jump into our issue of the week. Oh. What role does race and racism in its myriad manifestations 
play in characterization and representation in video games. And that's kind of um, why why many of us this week were reading uh, Racism Without Racists. Um, we were thinking about video games, but then more specifically, um, we had started thinking about first-person shooters, right, and the way um, the enemy gets represented in first-person shooters. Um, and then as we started to talk through it and talk about it, we were like, you think, really, you know, this applies to, like, all the games. Mm. Uh, but to think about the way that uh, race and racism plays out um, with any othering of enemies in games is kind of where we are this week. Right? Yeah. Yes. So, um, kind of a, one of the first questions that I'm going to throw out there, and we can all think about games that we play specifically. Uh, can be first-person shooters, can be RPGs, can be adventure games, can be whatever you play. Um, even platformers, in some cases. Um, so, how does the idea of colorblindness? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, colorblindness is a wonderful thing. Um, show up in games, right? Uh, and when we say colorblindness, we're talking specifically about that. That uh, we we've all heard it before. I don't see color. Color doesn't matter to me. Race is race is not an issue. Race is no longer a thing in the United States, um, where race is erased. Oh, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. Oh. Yes, Alicia. <laughs> I think the biggest way that we see this concept show up in games, this idea of colorblindness, are all the people who respond to, hey, maybe we can have some black people in this game, <laughs> with, well, guys, shouldn't we just have good characters? Because <laughs> apparently, good characters can only be white. Yeah, apparently. Because I have heard this counter-argument so often, and that's exactly what it sounds like to me. Well, I don't see color. Well, that's just a good character. Well, you know what? If you don't see color, and color doesn't matter, and it's just a good character, let's just make all the heroes black men. <laughs> I've, I've written about this before. We'll just race swap everybody. Fine. Yep. Good. Done. Racism in game solved. Next. <laughs> I'm available to be hired, by the way. I think y'all can hire me away from my PhD program if the price is right. If the price is right. I mean, but then when you, so when you get into this notion of colorblindness, yeah, you, one, you have it that way, but also when you get into that notion of colorblindness, and, and we see it not only, we see it in everywhere, yeah. right? Um, we see it in games. Um, we also see it in, and this is probably something that I see more often than most, but in kids' television. Yes. God. Right? Is this notion of colorblindness where all the characters are the same, they just, it's like, okay, so here's a character over here who's just like this character over here. We're just going to make this one brown, and we're going to make this one a little darker brown, and then we'll make this one, we'll make this one in white. And then we'll just show that everybody's all the same. 
Wait, that even goes to like children's books because I was looking for books for my niece. She's like three or four now. Um, and finding books where she will feel represented is almost impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that theory kind of goes across um, media in general, but yeah. in video games, it's just, it feels really rampant. And it feels like anytime you do try to bring that conversation to the table, you're either overly political, sensitive, you're not a real gamer, or a slew of other slurs. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every time. Because then you're just a social justice warrior trying yeah. to <laughs> force yeah. your commie, liberal, pinky, pinky, <laughs> feminazi, uh, racist, because then you become a racist. Yeah. Yes. On everyone else, because you want a black character or a Hispanic character or any other character who is other in a capital O other in any way to have some specific characteristics other than being black other than <laughs> black, right. colored black at least right exactly well, you want you want some authenticity of some sort to a character then you become a racist well and and this is what i think is is really fascinating about the book the racism without racist at the beginning uh, the author lays out this point, which, I mean, it's really obvious for those of us who think about these things, mm -hmm. but needs to be said over and over and over and over. Uh, your standard, everyday white person thinks of racism as prejudice. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, well, really, you know, it's, it's black people who are prejudiced, and it's you guys who are prejudiced because you're thinking about race, and you're playing the race card, right? That's racism to them. But to anybody actually affected by racism... Racism is the fact that you can't walk into a store without being followed because you're obviously there to steal. Right. And you can't get a loan because you're clearly on the crack. I mean, <laughs> duh. You know, or you get shot just for driving down the road. Or you walk into an apartment housing complex and the first thing they say is, we don't have income-based housing. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's, I don't know. But, but when you're coming from these two very different definitions, how do you even then begin to have a conversation? Because you're not even talking, you're not even having the same conversations. You're not even talking about the same subject. <laughs> and that was what really struck me at that beginning. I stopped and I was like, you know, I don't think about this basic topic as much as I should because, you know, I've been... I mean, I've been working with Sam for years, you know. <laughs> if I didn't think about race, she would slap me. Um, so, but how do we get the average white person to stop thinking that just prejudice is what we mean when we talk about racism? How can we even have these conversations without that? Yeah. And think about the ways that it creeps in. Not only not only in real life, but also in games. And, and I want to... I wanna, because one of the funniest things, right, that I've seen on Facebook in like the last, mm. in like the last couple of days, was it was the, the gist of it was um, someone had posted. Uh, I'm sure it was a fabricated conversation, right? And they were like, um, the 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 person they were talking to had said something like, "Oh well, 
you know, that's just my uncle. He's kind of prejudiced, but you know what? He's harmless. Don't worry about it. And then the, the response to it was, well, what does your uncle do? And then the response to that was, he's a mortgage broker. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So to, to think about the insidious ways that, that racism that is uh, more, more, more covert sneaks in in some interesting ways, in ways like here we're talking about, you know, your, your, your funny, quirky uncle who's a racist, but he's harmless because he would never hurt anybody, but he's a mortgage broker, right? Yeah. So, so these kinds of ways. But if we start thinking about the ways that we see this kind of stuff creep into, and not, it doesn't creep, it's there, bold as brass, in some of the games that we play. Right? I mean, we had this conversation, we had this conversation a couple of months ago when we were talking about Uncharted 4. <laughs> yeah, and I caught all kinds of flack for that. When we were talking about Uncharted 4, were you talking specifically about having an African American, or excuse me, a, a, a South African character in a game who then gets voiced by a white actress. But Tim, it doesn't matter because I mean she was just the best voice actress who was available. Duh. <laughs> because clearly there were no blacks out there. And you know we're right back to the color blindness argument. Right. I, we didn't see color. We saw the best actress. Well, so if you didn't see color, you saw the black, the just the best actress, just for shiggles. Can you tell me how many black actresses you actually talked to? Zero. <laughs> they wouldn't know because they didn't see color. I don't color. <laughs> God, you guys, why do you have to make everything about race? Oh, so annoying. Well, and this, I, I may not spend this right, so feel free to like cut me off or, or correct how I'm saying it because. Like I said, I wasn't able to get in the reading. I'm kind of all over the place. But there was something that happened, at least to my interpretation, in um, Bioshock Infinite. Mm -hmm. um, and spoiler warning, I guess, but I'm normally the last person on Earth to play everything. But um, with uh, with Daisy Fitzroy mm -hmm. um, and the Vox, and uh, like it was almost like the game, because like, at first she's... You, you know, you're hearing her talk to you and you find out, like, she's been framed for all these things or maybe not framed, but also, like, I don't know, it, it's really complicated. But they, at first, like, to me, it was, like, a sympathetic thing, something that you wanted to fight with and fight for and help out the cause. And almost, like, the game turned it to make her this monster and make everything she stood for this monster. And, and... There was like a line that somebody shouted that that was like it's not about race like when they were all chanting how the Vox are trying to take over Colombia and someone said it's not about race and I was like okay <laughs> and it was just so much was going on but like I don't know it was that that moment that you have to watch Elizabeth stab Daisy and it's just like something was so wrong about that I couldn't figure it out but I think it's this sort of colorblindness thing or just like a whole race thing in in a nutshell because I mean. Infinite has a lot of stuff going on in there, but it was just, like, I remember being so uncomfortable with the way that they ended up having Daisy Fitzroy die. Yeah. Um, that something didn't 
sit right with the way they did it because it they it was like they purposely othered her in this really quick like minute and a half scene that didn't quite make sense to me. It just seemed ham fisted. I don't I don't like, wanna speak over the actual black people in the room. Oh yeah. yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> no no because there's just something I wanna say. But correct me if I'm wrong. This is how I understand it. Okay, so on the one hand, you have the people who want to say, like, well, it's not about race, right? These are AKA white people. Um, uh, and on the other hand, you have everybody else who's like, you know what? Everything is about race because y'all never let anybody forget. What? If you are, if you are an underserved, an underrepresented, anything but not white, whatever word you want to tack onto it, mm -hmm. if you are not white in America, in much of the Western world, what the fuck in your life is not about race? I was gonna say, if, you, when yeah. you, if you're not, if you're not white, everything's everything is about not being white, right? Because Everything around you makes it about not being white, right? And and just to, to jump in, and then I'm sorry, Ashley, I didn't mean to cut you off, darling. No. The um, with with Bioshock Infinite, I think one of the the most interesting things, and this is something that I'm that I am thinking and sketching notes and conversations about now, uh, with Bioshock Infinite, is that I think for the most part, most folks can would probably say, could agree, if we think about it, um, Bioshock Infinite is meant to be a little satirical. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, the, uh, uh, more than a little. I was um, going to say, I think that the point mostly of that game was to be yeah, satirical. It's that time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, um, so that, that moment of, of, of shouting is not about race. Right. When it is clearly all about race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, is meant to be that moment for some, for everyone, to to sit back and say, we do this shit now. Yeah. Right. It's not about race. May as well be. I don't see color. Mm -hmm. It may as well be. I don't see race. May as well be. It's post-racial. It may as well be. All lives matter. <laughs> Bullshit. It's 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 kind of all the same in that very in that very you know ham-fisted to use to use your phrase they, to use that in that very ham-fisted way because the same shit that we're going through today in the real world in the non-satirical space. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think. That was, I think, why it made me so uncomfortable in that moment. It was just that, like, I know that this is probably some sort of commentary because there's so much about Colombia that's commentary um, about, like, what how things are going now and, like, the shit that you hear people say is just... And, and so I think... I just wonder if, like, it made other people uncomfortable or if they were just like, yeah, this is just another corner of the plot. But it was just, like... I was fortunate that I wasn't playing because I was able to like literally get up and leave and like stand in the other room to like think about that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Ashley, we, I've cut you off now too. So no, nobody cut me off. I'm fine. I'm pondering. I'm just 
thinking so, about. Well, if I may, then I don't know. I don't know. Um. Okay, so I grew up poor, like real poor. Poor black like, child in the ghetto. Yes. Okay. Except you know white. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we were homeless at times. Uh, I lived in a bus. I've lived without running water. I, we, we were poor. So I, I am that textbook white person who for a long time struggled with this idea of like, well, how can I have white privilege? Because, you know, I have loads of debt that I've been carrying since I was like 17, 18 years old when I started living on my own. Uh, I, I have debt that I'll never get out of. I, you know, did not have a lot of advantages growing up. You know, the, the litany of things. Like, but actually, uh, so for a long time it was really hard for me to accept that idea of white privilege. But once you get past centering yourself, well, but, but I, mm -hmm. but I need, but I deserve, and you start to look at the world, and like I can say things suck for me, you know, personally, but systematically there are still advantages that I've had. But it takes a little bit of stepping back. You have to disconnect yourself. And that, not to, you know, excuse anybody, but that is really hard. If you don't have some mitigating factor, you know, education, for instance, uh, or anything to give you perspective. And we don't, we don't give, the tools exist. We don't force them on the average white person and I don't know how I would really like to know how we educate people about this and I don't I mean I think it's it's taught in the house I mean I remember being in third grade and getting off the school bus and a little boy calling me a nigger like just straight up just like that's what he called me and mm -hmm. I chased him home because that's what my mom told me <laughs> she said you don't come home crying and you don't come home beat up. I said alright. So I chased him home. He went behind his mom. So I got my mom and my mom cussed her, his mom out. But I like that that just always stayed with me and and you know colorism is also a thing within the black community and, and knowing that I'm I'm biracial, I'm black and I'm white and knowing that I'm, I'm light-skinned with good hair, quote-unquote good hair. Um, and all and how all that plays into it, but with the white community, I'm black. It's a long drop rule. Like you're you're black. Like you're not white. So I have to say what you are. And then, being in my particular field where I'm a language teacher, uh, being an, a quote unquote native speaker of English is a white male, not a woman of color. Mm -hmm. My students automatically resist me in the classroom because of how I look. Not even knowing my name, not knowing how I speak, I wait at least 30 seconds before I open my mouth in the classroom because I know they're waiting to see if I have an accent and to know how I speak English. Yeah. And my, my lived profession is about race and my own profession doesn't talk about it. My field doesn't talk about it. Everybody in my field that goes up the ladder in leadership in every organization is white. There's nobody that's of color. I've done the research on that. Mm -hmm. it's, and it's just, it's insane to think that not only am I confronted with this and what I live, but also in video games and how I find entertainment. I have to look and see these, these portrayals of, of black bodies 
just demonized. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's really no words for it. Like, how do you teach people not to demonize black bodies when all we've ever done is demonize black bodies? And by we, I mean, let's just bring it in, not even global, American context, United mm -hmm. States. This is all we've ever done. Yeah. I mean, Sam, I didn't, go ahead. No, no, I just want to ask Sam a question real quick. Yeah. The stuff that I talked to you about today, is that kosher for me to talk about? Yes. Okay. I was like, what was it? <laughs> I have to check sometimes. Um, if, it's, if it's okay, Ashley. Mm -hmm. This is just dovetails of what you're saying. I, right now I'm teaching a, a, a camp, uh, and it's, it's all minority students. Uh, and, you know, I really, I taught the same camp last summer, and this summer, with everything that's going on, I thought, fuck. What what can I what can I do? What, how can I walk into this room and talk to these students, primarily black students, who are coming to Purdue, which is not always the friendliest environment uh, <laughs> ever, as we've seen, um, when certain it, members of the administration just straight up tell people that they don't care. Basically, um, yeah. Uh, what can I possibly do? And a, a friend of mine very kindly was like, "Well, it's not your." job because no, probably nobody's going to come to you for comfort or anything because you're a white lady. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. So I should stop. I should leave my fucking ego at the door, dumbass. Um, it's nice to have people correct you gently sometimes. But then today we were, we were having some conversations about the Republican National Convention because this shit is perfect for rhetorical analysis. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> god. Fucking chaos. Um, well, we were talking about the Melania Trump plagiarism scandal. <laughs> right. Well, we've been talking about it for a couple of days. Uh, and we were looking at different headlines and the way people were categorizing what happened. And one headline referred to her whiteness, her white privilege. And one of my students, a young black man, raised his hand and he said, But is she white? And then he <laughs> said, What is whiteness? And y'all had to sit down. <laughs> I was like, fuck. I was like, okay, so we had a lesson, but we're just going to put that aside. And if, if this is what you're going to talk about, this is what we'll talk about. Said, but I need to preface this by saying, I don't know what thing about anything. But we'll try. And we talked about it for a while. But it was just really like, that was not a question that I expected. Because we spend so much time talking about things like colorism and privilege. But we try, not we, the world tries to simplify everything. Mm -hmm. And then we forget, here are these kids who are like 17 and they just want to understand the world that they're navigating and they don't know. They don't know some of these definitions. They don't even know where to start. And they're looking at this woman and they're like, she's an immigrant but she's rich, but is she really white? Like, who is she and what is this? And how do we even start to think about these things? And when we, ha when we as academics are armed with theory and definitions and information, some things start to look simple even when they're not. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was reminded of today. I was like, none of this is simple. Well, none of it is simple, but then at the same time, I think this, this is the kind of situation that is ripe for thinking, thinking back historically to issues of immigration and assimilation. Yeah. Right? To think about, you know, you know, how how Jews became white, right? How 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 the Irish 
became white, right? So how how the Italians even pretty much became white, right? So how all of these groups who were marginalized when they first came into this country um, were seen as or were othered, right? When it when it becomes an economic issue, when it becomes an issue of numbers, when it becomes a, an issue of us versus them, then your criteria for whiteness loosen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I mean, and, and now we have come to the, and I've told this story many times about why I hate Texas, right? Is that <laughs> now we've, we've come to this, we've come to a moment where, um, whereas before, one of the criteria for whiteness was also going to be skin color and the ability to pass visually. So this lack of, of physical markers. Mm -hmm. Now, rather than uh, race and melanin or a lack thereof, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we've come to an issue of nationality, right? What I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I've been in Texas and folks have said, folks have tried to, you know, kind of get me on their side by saying, but they're not one of us, right? They're not us. They come to this country. They don't speak English. They take our jobs. Mm. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You got me all fucked up. That you see right over there where you picked me up, that's where you got me fucked up at, right? Because <laughs> 20 years ago, I was that nigga that was taking your jobs. I was that nigga that wasn't one of you. So now you're going to try to turn around and tell me that somebody who looks too much like me or more like me than you do is not one of us. Right? So so these these criteria are constantly shifting. Right? So when you start talking about whiteness and assimilation and acceptability, you've got to look back historically to see where it's happened before and how and how these how this is coming about again. And also how it's evolving. Yeah. Make sense? It's just heavy. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, totally. <laughs> that happens from time to time. But I mean, and that—that's one of the the ones. It's one of the most interesting things about some of the games like Bioshock Infinite, right? Yeah. Because I think that there's so much. Um, there's so much room to play in and with some of these concepts. But then, oh, the pessimist in me. Mm -hmm. There's a pessimist in me, in case you haven't figured that out. The pessimist in me starts saying, what if, what if I'm the only one who gets it? What if someone else out there says, oh, look, we're right, right? That's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was, it was when we were playing through, and there's like that scene at the beginning when you draw the, the lottery and you're supposed to throw the ball at the interracial couple. Mm. And like to me, like it wasn't even, I, like, I, Alex wasn't going to throw it, but I was just like, don't. And he's like, I'm not going to. But I was like, how many people didn't see a problem with this? They're like, oh, the game's letting me do it. And like, didn't see what that was trying to, like, because like that was probably one of the most blatant things that they threw at you right in the beginning. That was just like, this is wrong. And it's that was the point that I turned off that game. Yeah. But it was just like, 
how many people didn't see that as wrong? Or it was like, oh, the game let me do it, so it's okay. It's that... And like I said, I've said this before on podcasts, that I have infinite respect for people who can disassociate with games and not think it's a reflection, or not like reflect on who they are in real life by the actions they take in the game. But if, like, if I had even like jostled the controller and it had like registered as throwing it, I would have I probably would be down an Xbox three sixty and my partner would be really, really mad at me. <laughs> like it would have just been like I, I I wouldn't have been able to like rationalize what I had done, even if it had been a complete and total accident. And and it worries me. It's that I that the pessimist in you just like how many people think that's okay and I had that same problem with just like what if it's what if people don't see a problem with this because it's in the game and they just miss the commentary or they miss the the point uh, that was uh, to me blatantly obvious, but like maybe not, and, or like even the people who think, or when they go back, you know, play the game the second time, they can do that, and they're like, okay, well, I, you know, I would never actually do this, but I want to see what happens, and it's just like, but don't. Well, you know, maybe even a a bigger issue than just not seeing is thinking about why people don't see, and we talked about this last episode, wasn't it last episode? Uh, yeah, when we were talking about character creation, Pokemon yeah, Go, and what's right. not there. But, you know, somebody posted some t- statistics today on Twitter, and uh, I found this really interesting. I wouldn't have believed it before I moved to Indiana. Since we've been here, I, I do. 75% of white Americans don't even have, like, a person of color that they would call friends. You know and, what? I, I just want to say before, I don't think I had one before I came to Purdue. Well, and that's the thing, is, is that since I've been here, I mean, look, I grew up in Los Angeles and Little Rock, and I, the other place I went a lot was Memphis, so, you know, all of my <laughs> environments were pretty diverse. Uh, I've had so many students tell me straight up that before they, they came to school, they'd never even met a black person. Yeah. Oh, I'd met one. I just, I, I mean, I'd like to consider <laughs> us friends, but I don't like, I don't want to speak for them. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, no, that idea. I mean, I spent, I mentioned this last time on my on the podcast too. It's just like I think there were like ten people of color in my school, and they were all lumped together. <laughs> the mm-hmm. high school I graduated from in Ohio, I was one of two people of color. Wow. Um, and I mean, I went to about. Well, 12 or 14 different schools between kindergarten and high school. And I went to four different high schools, and that was the least diverse one I ever went to. Um, but I was one of two people of color that graduated in the same class. Yeah. I mean, and so. like I said, when I, when, I first, when I first came to Purdue, um, and I was, for the first, I think, year that I was here, um, I taught first year comp because it was two sections, two two parts back then, and I, I could see the look of shock on students' faces when I walked into the classroom. Yep. Right, and any time that, and you know, I mean, you know me, I haven't changed. Um, mm-hmm. I would make them talk about race, and yeah, m- many of them did not know any black people and if they knew any Hispanic people they were like yeah there's there's that you know there's that guy who does landscaping in our neighborhood right 
that was, you know. I'm sorry, I can't stop talking to you guys. So just feel free to shut me up. But this is this is why this this right here. This is why, and I don't think because this is not my everyday reality. No matter what work I do, no matter what research I do. So I'm like best case scenario white person here, y'all. Um, <laughs> you want a sticker? I do. with me. We get the stickers. You get more stickers. Um, we still don't think about this stuff because we don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to, and that's the point. Bubble wrap of privilege. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. I've been I've I have been a menace on social media for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I love it though; it's great because I have zero fucks to give, zero, zero yeah. chill, and zero fucks to give. I don't care. There's anymore. no more time to have any fucks. None, none. We are dying in the streets, and I am Literally. not taking people shit anymore. I'm I'm done. I'm done tempering what I say. I am done trying to say white folks' feelings when black folks are dying. You need to hear what you need to hear, and if you don't like it, then you know what? You don't have to listen. You don't have to be in my circle of friends or anything else. But I am going to speak. <laughs> right? I mean, and that is the thing. It's like, and like, like the the one of the things that that seemed to be most petty, but you know what? I welcome black petties. Petty for folks was Melania Trump, right? <laughs> the white black could have just let it like, go so every way, shape, or form. And you know what? The funny thing was, every black scholar that I know, every black academic that I know, we were all in on that shit, and we were just flooding social media with it, right? And here come all the white folks. Well, there are bigger issues, so we shouldn't be worried about whether or not she's she quote unquote stole some parts of a speech from from Michelle Obama. And I was like, wait a minute. And I and I just had this. I stopped and I was like, look, y'all been stealing shit from us for for centuries. So if we want to roast, <laughs> we want to roast Melania Trump's ass from hell to back all day and all night then you know what? You get to take a seat and listen. Or don't. But you don't get to speak out and say we should. Nope. I saw so many quote-unquote good white people trying to pull that shit. Well, this is just not that important. There are other more important things to talk about. You know what? Here's the other thing. We could talk about more than one fucking thing at a time. Right. Yes. Right. Because you know what? Let me tell you a secret. In case you didn't know it, good white people... When I was making Trump jokes, I stopped being black. So you know what? I wasn't <laughs> dealing with blackish because I because you know I can only do one thing at a time. <laughs> so I can't make I can't make Trump jokes and be black at the same time and talk about all the other issues of cops murdering black folks in the street, of Donald Trump and the U.S. going to hell in a handbasket because I'm so stupid I can only focus on memes. Sam, if I can stop being trans, you can stop being black. It's awesome. <laughs> hey. Can I stop being fat? Oh, wait. A lot of people would tell me that I could. <laughs> yeah. I, got a, I got a lot of othernesses that I have to stop being all at the same time. I'm, I'm kind of like, like the jackpot of otherness. 
You uh, really don't are. Be- You're like the fucking bingo. Don't, I am bingo. You'll just make it worse. Oh my god. You okay, so, bingo. Yeah. We haven't talked about a whole lot though. Oh yeah. Or games. No. Sorry. <laughs> well, we talked about games. So, no, James, you apologize. You actually brought us back. Yeah, you did, you did. But so in thinking about games, I've had this thought that I've been kind of mulling over. And maybe this is a good place to think about it. Talk about it. So I I started playing the division. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the first things I immediately noticed, I had a pause, you know, and even though the quote-unquote bad guys are, you know, shooting at you and I'm dying, I still pause. I'm like, oh, wait, they're hoodied. They're all in hoodies, mm-hmm. and they're all kind of, you know, ambiguously darker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, wait, so, so, oh, and they're called rioters. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, so you're rioters in hoodies and you're ambiguously brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because they think gross. So, <laughs> Jesus. So I, you know, it's just like thinking about like what that means, and, and it's one of the reasons why I'm still playing the game because I kind of want to go through it and see what happens, and you know, obviously trying to choose a character, I can never choose me, so I gave up on that. Um, but the whole idea of not really fully understanding why I'm shooting these quote-unquote rioters and why they're portrayed this way and what that says about colorblindness and racism. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think? Have y'all played Division? I, okay. I haven't. No, but you know what? That's the kind of thing that I would I would stop playing. Yeah, like I haven't. That, yeah. that thing that you said about, you know, just the the thing where you're not supposed to think about who the enemy is, just like the, what we've talked about in Destiny. Yeah. Uh, by the time I got to that point in Destiny, I was pretty invested, so I kept playing. And plus, I was playing with friends. But if it was like a single player game, and they're like, "Oh, just shoot all these brown people," you know, just because they're brown. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have way too much white guilt, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I play with my 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 partner when um when he's not here, so obviously. Uh, and all it, it, it's it's. I say fun with quotation fingers, but um, <laughs> I still pause. I'm just really trying to mull over the fact that this game has decided to make the enemies hoodie, hoodied, I'll make this a term, this is not a term, hoodied, mm-hmm. and um, ambiguously brown. So have you have you run into the, um, I'm trying not to spoil it. Have you run into? No, I but I read Kashana's post. Okay. So, yeah. So and I'm not going to play so I'm aware of that. This time. Um, I I read Kashana's post, so I know that's supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. And I realize the vision is doing that, but the vision's not the first game to do that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah. Like thinking about how brown bodies are continuously othered and demonized and perceived as an enemy, and nobody questions it. I was oh, I'm just going to shoot these people. Um, but this new spin of like rioters on it, especially given the recent events and and everything that's happening, um, is just really kind of making me pause when I want to play the game. I'm playing it now because I just really want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, and and to bring it back to games, I mean, because you're talking about games, and I want to to extend it and talk about just like this this notion of of of, of, a, of a, a black enemy. 
yes. or black boss in a game, right? So when we're talking about, if we're talking about the division where we have bad guys, right, who are ambiguously brown and um, a, a, an enemy or a boss who is who is black, right? To talk about the characterization, one of these enemies is is one thing, right? But then to also talk about how these other capital O other folks are criminalized, right? Yeah. And they're even a very specific kind of criminal, right? Like, and this is this is one of the things that kind of always kind of irritated me about Grand Theft Auto Five. Yes. Right. So we have Franklin, uh, who is you know all well and good, who you know is one of the one of the three playable characters, but why he gotta be why he gotta be the gang member? Right. Of course. Why couldn't Franklin be Michael? Why couldn't he be you know something else? Why couldn't he be someone who um, had why couldn't he be a white collar criminal? Why did he have to be a black gang member? Well, like right? Saws in Final Fantasy Thirteen, it was like I thought they made a step forward because he's like this really sorry the stereotypes here, but like the literate sky pilot, the like most advanced in his class. But he's got an afro with a chicken in it. Yeah, and he's just yeah. like and does all these like gun tricks that don't make any sense. Like it was like you guys here's a step forward, and then he just flung him backwards, and it was just like what did you do? And then through the yeah. course of it, like without giving any spoilers, but with through the course of it, he, he's continually the one who gets screwed the most. Yep. I'm just like what? Like he has a gambling problem apparently, <laughs> and like you know, his his son keeps getting kidnapped or whatever. And I was like, why is it Saz who's dealing with this when he was only probably the only competent father we saw in the whole game? And but you're gonna keep screwing him over? Like, and mm-hmm. you know when we get certain certain parties who shall remain unnamed, that are labeled, who want to argue about what the quote-unquote SJWs are talking about, then they'll say, and I think that this is actually correct, well, what you're talking about are tropes, and every game character is subject to tropes. That's true. However, I think there's two points that we have to consider. One, every game character is basically the product of tropes because the industry does not privilege writing. That's a problem overall with everything. But two, that same industry, those tropes that they're drawing on, A, are much more harmful to any kind of minority. And B, are just so sloppy because there aren't a lot of people in the industry, especially for large companies, who are not white dudes. And I mean, why? I'm okay with white dudes. I'm married to a white dude. I like him. He's good. He's <laughs> blonde, blue eyes, like like pinnacle white dude, peak white dude, Aryan white dude. Yeah. Um. He's good at math and shit. So like peak peak. Uh, Damn. I know. <laughs> so, so, so like where Sam is like the ultimate in minority. <laughs> <laughs> Terry is the ultimate in majority. Um. I forgot what I was going to say because I was making too many jokes. Uh, you know, all of these problems culminate in continually worse depictions, worse experiences of people of color 
of people who are trans, of women, all these other characters. Like, even though the white dude characters might be kind of shitty and the women characters might be kind of shitty, everybody else is much, much worse. Yeah. So this argument that, like, well, it's just that way for everybody. It's just tropes. It's just, you know, games are shitty. It just still doesn't hold water because there are levels to that shit. Well. Yeah. Because weren't we, like, and this, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sorry I'm talking over everybody again, but, like, Bastion did that, right? With Kid being the quote-unquote white savior and then them turning it around and being like, no, you're a genocidal maniac. And it was just like, you know, it's basically, they basically use that trope to make you feel safe, and then they were just like, no, you're wrong. So there are ways to use the trope in a way that's constructive, I think. If we're going to say, oh, games are made of tropes and nothing can get better, it's just like, well, then use the trope appropriately. Well, think about where that ga- what that game's a product of. Right, that's not a mainstream huge triple. Oh no, game. it's an indie game. Crap. Right, sorry. exactly. It's not the product of like 400 focus groups and like we have to make as much profit as possible, and bonuses depend on the meta meta scores. And this is where we get back to that idea of what the audience wants or the perception of what the audience wants versus what the audience asks for because that's all there is. And then you add in the added complication of who knows what the fucking audience would be if we actually had better games. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's Undertale. Was it flew in the face of the trope of an RPG? Great example. And Everybody I think, fucking loves Undertale. I mean, I, I I use it all the time because it's because uh, trans people. I mean, like <laughs> because friends with everyone. But it it did. It took the trope of an RPG and it turned it on its head. But the, the amount of people who played it. Yep. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just like it's. That's a game that it was written by a music major. He doesn't know how to program. Like, like if we want to go into the flying in the face of all games, like once again, it's an indie game. It was a self-published made game that was Kickstarter funded. But it was someone who was like, I don't care who the audience is. I'm gonna get this message out. And the audience was this ridiculous amount of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think so. I, I don't know what makes a popular game. Because I keep forgetting. But you know, like. I don't know. I just, I this that chicken and the egg thing, like who's the audience thing, bothers me so much. Um, but I always also play just a very small niche of games, so. Yeah, and here's a question. This this is interesting because because we we talk about chicken and egg and talk about the kind of over the last half an hour or so, we've also talked about you know what happens when games are satirical. What happens when games do try to make you think? Right, Bastion is a perfect example of that. Um, if you think about it and think through it, um, uh, you know, spoilers. Who hasn't played Bastion? Me. I oh, I'm so sorry. What'd you say, Alicia? I haven't finished it. I started it and then I don't know what happened, but I. Oh, I'm It's amazing. So <clears throat> here's the thing: is that you know, when you're playing this game and you're playing through, and you have all of these beings that you go through and you're just slaughtering. Right? Yeah. Um and, and, and spoilers, right? Mm-hmm. As you as you get to the end of the game, you find out I'm trying to be as vague as possible, that you may be the problem. 
right? And then you have the option at the end of the game is, is what do you do at the end of the game? And, and it was a huge question, right? At the end of the game, what do you do? Mm. Do you rebuild the bastion, right, which is the world, right, in the way that it was and try to start over again to see if you can stop it from being torn down by these beings that you've been slaughtering? Or do you try to learn from what you know and build a new civilization, right? So basically what happens is you find out all, all along you've been the fucking colonizer. And then you get to the end and it's like, so do you stay the colonizer or do you fix your shit, right? I mean, that is a huge moment, right? But I really, really wonder... How many people that needed to get that message actually got that message? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't get the message the first time I played it. I mean, I, I chose to set sail because that, to me, was the right thing to do. But I didn't get to that conclusion because of what you just said. I found that out years later. Yeah. And I, I was... Yeah. I, I mean, I went through it in the other because I'm... I worked with the Anti-Genocide Coalition for a while, and so, like, the idea of not going through it again because, um, but like, I didn't see, I didn't well, see it. How, well, how old were you? Were you in high school when you played the game? Uh, that would be, it came out, it's five years old, 2011, now I have been my first year of college. I mean, the, you, you, so you, you have a lot of young folks that play the game, and they, they don't recognize patterns of colonization. I mean, and this is and this is the point, right? This is the same thing we talked about earlier when we start talking about patterns, right? Historical patterns, patterns of colonization, patterns of immigration, patterns of assimilation, all of these different patterns that exist that folks don't necessarily see. They don't see, I mean, and you don't need to be educated in a traditional way in order to see those patterns. Mm -hmm. But you just need to be aware of what the fuck is going on in the world around you. And a lot of folks are not and don't want to be. And that's the bigger problem. Well, I mean, it's hard. And I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, like it's hard, but it's, it is also hard. Hard in what way? I'm not disagreeing with you, I just want to know in what way you mean hard. Well, I mean, you know, life sucks, man, in general. So let's, let's say that I am, I am past Alicia, who is 22 years old and has dropped out of college and can't keep a job. Um, and has this complex, like the world is against me and everything sucks and whatever. And so I'm poor and I have a shitty apartment and my life's not going anywhere. I am not in that way. If you want to think about, like, say, the most basic content, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm not self-actualized enough to think about other people's problems, much less, like, systemic problems. And I think that right now, if you take that kind of idea and you apply it to, let's say, all of the people who are Trump supporters who want to, quote-unquote, make America great again, right? 
you have a lot of white people who have been told their whole lives that if you just try real hard, you can be anything you want to be. And you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and someday you too can achieve the American dream of being rich and doing whatever the fuck you want. Probably fucking hot bitches while you do it. But they can't, because that's not true. And so it's much easier to buy into the myth of, like, the black welfare queens and people who are on drugs and, like, ruining the urban centers than it is to actually think about the fact that shit is fucked for everybody and we have got to change a lot of things and do a lot of work to fix the world. That's hard. You know it's what? It's much easier to just be like, it's black folks' fault. You, Fuck you, black you know what? You are absolutely right. But you know what, Alicia? <laughs> what? I swear before all that is holy, we have come to a point in this world, in our civilization, in the United States of America, that I don't give a fuck. I am right there with you. Because it's hard. It's Everything's hard. hard. It's hard for white folks who are poor, who are uneducated, who are unself-actualized is a very good way to put it. But yet and still, nobody is going to kill you or your babies in the street just because of the way you look. I am not at all even beginning to think about disagreeing with you. But I, I and, and just I, I, don't I'm, know how to communicate and I'm not that. Saying, and I'm not saying that you are. But oh, I know. It, so it becomes it comes to that point that it's like okay so where do we go? Yeah. Because you know cuz white folks are still waiting the good white folks even are still waiting to be patted on the back and to be told good job. I'm not here to tell you good job anymore. It's not my job. My job is to try to keep folk like me and my own damn self alive. I can't anymore, and I know that there are so many people like me. I mean, it is it is amazing. I sit back and I say, and I say to myself every day when I go when I'm, when I'm on social media and I'm just letting folk have it. I'm like, you know what? Am I doing this because I am of a certain age? I I got privilege in and of my own self, right? I am tenured. I have a certain amount of job security. Right. Mm. So I, and I understand these things and I ask myself, am I saying these things because I feel secure in saying these things? But then I think back and if you knew me when I was in grad school, you would know I said that shit when I was in grad school, which was <laughs> my folks and folks that that, you know, were at my previous institution, faculty members, some of them, not the ones that I worked with, were like, she never going to get a job. I said <laughs> then and I'll say it now. But then I look and I see other black folks who work in the academy who have reached the same point and also have zero chill and zero fucks to give. So we have come to that point now that something has got to give because I'm not the only one who's completely fed up. There are many, many, many of us who are completely fed up. Right? And we are, I mean, and just to look at what goes on in the world around us. I mean, <laughs> I mean, 
look at the ways that situations are evolving around us, right? Unfolding even, right? Like we, we talk, people are like, well, you know, Black Lives Matter folks are shooting cops. No, Black Lives Matter folks are not shooting cops. The two folks so far who've been found for shooting cops are, are black veterans, right? And rather than saying, why are black veterans so fed up with the system that they are willing to go out and assassinate what in many people's minds would be brothers at arms? That's a hard question, Sam. It's not a hard question. No, it is no, not, not a hard question. No, not for, for us. I think we under we all understand. Right. I mean okay. Eddie, speaking for the people who aren't here. Right. Well, yes. I mean it's it, it's put it this way. It's a hard question to ask. It's a hard truth to accept. That. Right? Because, I mean, if you know black veterans, right? And I'm not just talking about veterans from the Gulf Wars and forward, but veterans that have gone way back, right? From the very from the very first black veterans who were used as cannon fodder right here we're gonna put the black folks first to draw fire right yeah the history of black folks in the armed forces there's a lot of shit there that needs to be unpacked and dealt with right questions about why a lot of black veterans came back with some real mental issues that never got addressed because there weren't adequate services for any veterans for them to deal with it. There is something there. There is something deeper that folks don't want to question. It is easier for them to say they were radicalized by Black Lives Matter than to say, we have fucked these people over for so long that something has finally snapped. It's like it's easier, I think, for a lot of a lot of people to say, well, I mean, how can President Obama have sympathy for anybody who's Muslim? Clearly he must be Muslim. Like these these easy conclusions don't make anybody question. That's what Antonio Sabata said. Yeah. You better go read his soap opera script and sit his ass down somewhere. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, and that was it. It was just like, like all of these things are. These are the easier conclusions. Anything else requires not just critical thought. And it's easy again for us as academics to be like, oh, people need to think critically more. And I mean, they do, but but that's easy too. All of this is hard, and it requires some hard considerations of like how our lives need to actually change. And fuck. People get mad about changing pronouns, and you're asking them to change the way they're going to think about race. <laughs> you can't fucking do that. Uh, 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 <laughs> Jinx, you know, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm making light of a lot of things, but I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to find some way to deal with it all, because I get so angry when people act like it's such a fucking trial to use someone's quote-unquote preferred, not necessary, but preferred pronouns 
or when it's such a fucking trial to have to think about race, like it's so hard, but what about my problems? Well, you know what, fuck your problems. Because people are dying. And maybe we need to fucking do something about that. Hey, now I, I drank a lot of vodka, now I'm angry. No, uh, uh, I haven't drank a lot of vodka, but I'm black and that's why I'm angry. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's just your excuse. That's my excuse. That is my excuse. I've been radicalized by Black Lives Matter. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I'm kidding. But, I mean, so these are big, I mean, so these are issues, and they're big questions, right? They're big questions in terms of, so how do we fix this? How do we fix it in games? How do we fix it in the world? How do we deal with it? I mean, it it, it seems to me, and and I often want to tell people when when they play that when they play that you know game with people's quote unquote preferred pronouns that make me want to punch people in the throat. But I'm like, so my eight year old understands people's pronouns. My eight-year-old will see people or will be watching like YouTube videos of crafting and and let and if people don't say what their name is or, or use a specific pronoun to reference themselves, she will use the pronoun they for those people. God bless you. And if I say him or her, just kind of going off of voice or by what clothing that person is making because because that is habit for me. I'm old and you know I am still in many ways set in my own ways um, just out of habit more than disrespect for anybody's pronouns. She will correct me. Good. And All if right. my eight-year-old can do that what the fuck is wrong with the rest of the world that they can't? Well, Sam, you gave us the answer right then. And I mean, I'm, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, but also seriously. You just said, well, I'm old and I'm set in my ways. I, I'm old and I'm set in my ways, but, but I'm trying. Oh, I know. And that's the difference between you and a lot of people. They're not trying. They're just too busy being mad. Because somebody else is getting what they see as some kind of special consideration. It's not special consideration. It's fucking inherent, important, necessary consideration. But because that's not how things were when they were kids, well, then by God, no one gets it. It's a lifestyle, guys. Don't yeah, you know? It's a choice. You just made a choice. I got it's all kinds of lifestyle. Sam, you just shouldn't have chosen to be black. You just shouldn't have pushed I the black. To be black. I woke up and I said, you know what? Today I'm going to be black. <laughs> I woke up like this. <laughs> Today I'm gonna be black. I'm gonna be queer. I'm gonna be all kinds of gender fucked. I'm gonna be all these things because you know I woke mm. up. I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? My life ain't hard enough. <laughs> so oh, I this morning make it harder. <laughs> It's like Bastion. It's like activating the little gods in Bastion. Yeah. <laughs> to make That's, your game We're going to go to the Pantheon and activate those. <laughs> I, it's just, the thing is, it's the, the choice. The thing is, your, your lifestyle choice, right? You chose to be this. And, like, this morning I woke up and before I went to work, I made the active choice that I'm going to be a girl today. I had to. Because I was going to my job for the first time. I've never met these people. I was terrified. Like, 
you know, I was, Miss, ma'am, where's your purse? Where's this? And I was like, this is gendered as fuck. I just came from a job, at, and I know Purdue isn't great, but where I worked, they got my pronouns right. They made sure everybody else knew my pronouns. They corrected people. They did safe zone training. They did, like, it wasn't, like, Purdue isn't great, but at least where I worked with, everybody was like, we are going to understand this and make sure that it doesn't, like, that Jinx has a safe place to work. And then and then I got here, and I'm like, I can't, I can't, I mean, I can't hold my company accountable, but it's just like, I couldn't bring myself, like, we were supposed to introduce ourselves, and I couldn't bring myself to do something that I've been doing for the last three years, which was, my name is Jinx Boy, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I hit the real world, right? And I'm sitting in this room of people who are supposed to be my coworkers in a place that's like, your second home, and I was like, I can't say it. I can't say, where's the gender-neutral restroom? I can't say I don't use feminine pronouns. I couldn't. I was scared. And I was like, god damn it. Like, I have passing privilege out the ass. I'm white. I look like I'm straight I have because I have a boyfriend. And I have, you know, um, I have a pretty female body figure. My voice is feminine enough. I could pass for privilege for days. I just, I don't know. And I think about the people who can't, right? I, I was like, how? I was afraid at the place that I worked, and I like, and it's a good company, but I was afraid to say anything. I could not imagine someone with less privilege than me sitting in the same situation, like as petrified as I was. I could not imagine. Like, I just, I, I'm dumbfounded. And it was such a simple thing. What people say is so trivial. Sorry. No, no. sorry. <laughs> it's really important, and I think that this is why this is why some people understand better than others because they experience different levels and different versions of this being on the outside, right? And understanding that the world just isn't for you. And I'm sorry to say it that way. I'm trying to be as blunt as possible. And I don't want it to be that way. I don't want it to be that way for my children. I don't want it to be that way for my friends. I don't want it to be that way for anybody. It's... I don't know. We've got to have a cheerful podcast sometimes, guys. We can talk about the Pokemans. <laughs> God damn it, Pokemans. <laughs> So can I let me ask a question? So we we've been talking about this. We've had these conversations. We've talked about othernesses and 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 and, and, and enemies and representations and so and and this is a question that I have seen on the internet and even posed to us here before is so if. Not if. So should developers make enemies of color? Are we saying that there should be no enemies of color in games? That's a hard question. It's that a really hard, hard question. question. <laughs> uh, 
can, can I weigh in on this one first? Not as as a as a game person, but as somebody speaking from the position of having a, a lot of training in creating worlds, as in writing fiction. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of things, mm-hmm. and should do a lot of things, mm-hmm. but all of those things should be done with care. And I say this saying that maybe your enemies should not just be ambiguously brown folks in hoodies <laughs> designed to make George Zimmerman feel better about himself. Oh my Jesus. Oh Lord. But if you make a nuanced character and a nuanced situation and a real world, that's always better. That said... It's not just as it's not a bad thing for us to step aside for a while and be like, you know what? Maybe we just need to make sure some black folks get promoted for a couple of years at these companies, and maybe we need to make sure that uh, people who are actually affected are the ones talking about racism. And maybe we need to shut up and listen to trans people for a little while. Maybe it's not a bad idea to just have a couple of years where all of our heroes are black. <laughs> But you see what happens when that happens. Oh, well, yeah. All just like, I mean, shit, last year at E3, we had a couple of games that had female protagonists. You would have thought the fucking world was ending. Mm. We had a couple of black protagonists this year. Oh, well, shit, man. Sam, that's just all obviously reverse racism and SJWs. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> reverse racism. That's bullshit. I know. That's what it is. It's reverse racism and a bunch of SJWs. So here's the thing. But I mean, so and and here's an interesting thing, right? Because when we start talking about what these characters or characters done well, and I mean, I, and I'm with you on that. When I have to say, I I, I have no problems having well done, well developed, not based on stereotypes, um, quote unquote enemies of color. But I don't want to have always, right? Always have the white savior coming in and killing all the black folks. Mm. Okay, I want some diversity not only in my enemies, but goddamn it, I want some diversity in my heroes as well. Yeah. Yes. And that's what we need, right? I mean, we we have to have both. That that's just like and and I and I come back to this because this is the game that I want most in my mm-hmm. life is Mafia Three. I want Mafia Three because I want Mafia Three to be a strong black protagonist that is not based in stereotype, that is immersed in a culture that is true to his beingness. And has you know how that worked out for you. And has other well-developed characters around him. But I, but oddly enough, I keep watching the trailers for this game over and over again. And the one thing that keeps sticking out to me and for me is the fact that you have the mob boss, right, who's talking to the hitman. And the hitman goes, but I shot him. I shot him in the head. And the mob boss goes, you shot him once. 
And the only thing I can say to myself is, oh my God, it's the magical Negro. This is what is getting black men killed in the street, is the myth of the magical Negro who will not die if you shoot him once. It's the myth of the magical Negro who has these superpowers that he is going to break free from 14 cops holding him down, reach into his pocket, get a gun, and shoot each and See, every I'm one of sure them. I'm pretty sure the black men just produce guns from their bodies at this point. Yes. <laughs> they, they, they come out of the tips of their manifest. Yeah. It's but like, it's inspected, you know what? Black men are Inspector Gadget. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, not, God, it's not funny. It's the least funny thing. I mean, I mean, at some point, we have to make a couple of jokes because fuck you guys. I mean, that's what it is. That is what disturbs me most as I watch the trailer for this game over and over again. It's the game I want. It's the game I want to say I have some faith left in humanity. In the games industry itself, I have some faith. But every time I watch that trailer, I said, it's, it's the myth of the magical Negro. He is magic. He will not die from what will kill other human beings. And not only will he not die, but since you shot him, you just pissed him off. Now he's been back. So you better kill him the first time. And that scares me. That scares me not only for the game, but it scares me for what it means in a larger scope. Make sense? That don't mean see now I'm Debbie Downer. Yay. I'm gonna drink my beer. <laughs> My bourbon's gone. I'm actually out of water too. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody else got anything to add to that? <laughs> no. Not I feel like I've been talking like nonstop. Mm -mm. And we're more yelling into the mic. No. I, think I was going to start out the podcast to say the first person that made me cry this week is going to get smacked. But I just got angry this week instead. Oh, you know, we do what we can just to make you mad. I know. That's my life goal, Sam. It just... Maybe if when we start seeing people as human beings... Yeah. It'll get more difficult. To well, in terms them. of games, we can't see them as human beings until they fucking exist within the games and we can at least play them. The Division doesn't even show their faces. Well, why would they, Ashley? Jeez. Well, you know what? So, in, in all seriousness, that is, a, that, is a, that is a strategy that has been long used to train uh, military and police officers is to give them figures that are dressed or placed in certain cows 
to use for target practice and to shoot uh, and ask them to do it over and over and over again even if they are faceless so that when it comes to a point when they have to do it with real people that they react to dress and location um, and ignore the fact that these are humans and have faces and are, are people. It, it, it's something that they've been they've been doing it for years with like military simulators. Mm -hmm. I just the one time I kind of wrote about it when I wrote about the um, the a man chooses article. Um, I don't like referencing that one, but um, the the hate preacher who was yelling at me. One of the things I asked him was, "Am I a person?" Um, which the uh, the person who was making sure he didn't actually hurt me, who was standing behind him, would parrot that because it was obvious that he didn't see me as a person. And I'm 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 not intimidating, all right. I'm five foot three. I'm tiny. I don't have any muscles anymore. I I couldn't. I wouldn't think that anybody would ever be afraid of me. But he was afraid of me, and I wonder what he saw. I would love to know what he saw because he was so scared of this five foot three trans person. And I mean, I was technically armed. I had a rock that I was trying to offer to him, but like, I nothing I said had any malice. I was more scared of him, I think, than he was scared of me, but he was so afraid. I just wanted to know what he was thinking that made me so scary. And it's the same thing, the idea that you can just make whatever standing in front of you if you don't agree with it, this horrible monster that you can kill without being regretful. Mm -hmm. I just... I don't understand. I don't either. And I think, I don't know how you would do this, but to make that I, I, visceral, I don't know, something in, if you could use a game to make people hesitate. Because we don't hesitate in games when we kill things. I don't, when I play, like, like Diablo, right? Like, I asked, when I, my partner and I were playing Diablo, there's the, the, there the Kazarak, I think, the, the goat people. And I was like, why are we killing these guys, actually? Like, we stopped, and we're like, why are we fighting these? I mean, they're starting it, and if we don't fight them, they're going to, like, kill us. But why are these, like, they're not demons. They were here, they were natives to the plains area, and then they just, like, why are we killing them? And then, like, and nobody could answer the question. And, like, it was that hesitation that we stopped actually going to the plains when we could. Because we couldn't figure out why we were killing them. I try so hard with my son, because he, uh, he has a lot of little halo figures, you know, and he makes his dioramas and stuff. He's like, Mom, 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 what team do you want to be on? All right, who are you going to fight? I'm like, well, I don't want to fight. Why don't we dance? No, Mom, you have to fight. Like, he, because it's based in Halo, he can't conceive of, like, not fighting the Flood, right? Or, like, not fighting the Covenant, even though he's like, oh, the Arbiter's his favorite. Um, I'm like, but why can't we just have a truce? But games have been structured in such a way that all you do is fight. And so that's all he thinks about. Yeah. And, I mean, my son is compassionate and sweet and nice. 
He really is. I know. I like him. He's a good kid. But that's those are those are the games that we have made. You go and you kill the thing. And often the thing is not like you. If it was like you, it would be uncomfortable. So it's not like you. So that makes it okay, right? Because we, yeah. we kill the thing, it's not like us. Except it's not okay. And we need a little bit of a broader definition of us. Yeah. Everything is awful. <laughs> it feels like you name of the podcast yeah. for the longest. <laughs> this is your like exit song. <laughs> Boy. Oh. Yeah. It is pretty awful. In better news, I can hear my three-year-old and they're talking because it's 1130 and she's not asleep because who sleeps? But she does have a cute little voice. And we're going to raise some children who are going to do better and we're going to teach some students who are maybe going to do better and someday there's going to be some more games that are better, right? Yes. It has to be. Okay. So there we go. Yay! Yep, it has to. Oh, on that note, unless anybody has anything to add, that is going to bring us to the end of episode 132. Until we meet again for episode 133, where everything's going to be better. Yay! Yay! Oh, Pokemans! This is the issue of the week, so we fixed it, right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. Until next time, folks. Stay cool. Stay safe. And as always, my friends, game on. <laughs>